My guest this week is David Kilkelly from Blinkback. We talk about how to put together efficient processes for consistent video content production. Welcome to episode 236 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this and putting me and my guests into your earphones. If you love the show, please, before you start listening to this episode, do me a quick favour. Please leave me a review on iTunes. It only takes about 60 seconds. Go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave me a quick review. Reviews help push the show up the rankings and mean that more people will get access to the the marketing and finance podcast. And now I didn't realize I'd done this, but I've sort of created an unofficial trilogy of episodes dedicated to using video to market your business. Back in episode 227, Steve Folland gave us no excuses for starting to create video content for our businesses. Last week, Ian Anderson Gray gave us some tips to help boost our confidence for using live video to promote our businesses. And my guest this week, David Kilkelly, is going to give us tips and processes to ensure we can be consistent with our video content production. So let's get straight into that interview with David right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. David, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Roger, how are you doing? It's good to be here. Great to have you on the show. David, we're on Skype today, but of course we're not in the same city. Where are we Skyping each other from today? I'm in Edinburgh as Uh, always. Yes, yeah, uh, and we're based in the southwest near Exeter. Um, they call it sunny Devon, but it hasn't been very sunny lately, I have to say. Oh, so you're actually at the other end of the country. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, we're going to talk about video today, but more importantly, we're going to talk about creating consistency, effectively putting together a, a consistent content plan. Now, we came across each other um, at the Youpreneur Summit. I've been to three Youpreneur Summits now, and I think... I've always, uh, I think the first year I saw you wandering around with your camera, you're a very tall bloke and you have a very big camera and you're wandering around doing interviews with people. I think the second year I got to talk to you and the third year we actually sat down and had a really good discussion about video and about content. So it's really good to have you on the show. Before we get into all of that though, give me a little bit of background about yourself, David, where you came from, how your career developed and, and what basically makes David Kilkelly tick. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, uh, going way back, I actually realized that I've been involved with video for about 30 years wow. now. So yeah, <laughs> it goes back a bit. I, I was, uh, originally, uh, I went to college and did it and then I landed up teaching. So I was at the university of Sussex for about 12 years, teaching media production, teaching documentary, uh, got to, uh, kind of, uh, I'd been there for a while and kind of wanted to shake things up a bit. And, um, we thought it was probably time to start our own business. So cut the strings on a perfectly decent salary and 
and then just plunged myself headlong into entrepreneurship, partly because I wanted to sell my own ship, but partly because things were changing. I could see that there was a demand and a market and that video itself was changing uh, the way people used it. So if, if we rewind back to sort of the, the 90, late 90s and the noughties where, where I was first using video sort of a lot, it was really only for um, sort of internal corporates and all that kind of thing or TV. And if you were working in TV, you had to have massive budgets, but there wasn't social media. The internet was in its very early days and there wasn't really a a call for video in that sense. So, um, so I suppose the biggest thing is, is how much it's changed over the last kind of 15 years or so. And I've been sitting kind of watching that with interest, uh, as it's happened. Yeah. I think one of the stories I often tell is, I mean, I, I've been a massive fan of video all the way through my career and, and again, you're right. It, it has changed so much now. One of the one of the most successful pieces of marketing that I ever did was we're, we're talking now. It must have been about um, 2001. I think it was about 2001, and and it was a video of. I mean, I was working for an insurance company at the time, and it was a video of a claimant. Somebody had made a claim on a policy, and we had to hire what I would describe as a BBC film crew. And I remember them turning up with these gigantic cameras and and they had all these wires and sound microphones and those silvery discs that bounce the light around and obviously we 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 shot the video the the man was um, walking around we did b-roll and all of that sort of thing and they took it away they did all this editing and then we got the we got the video we we had to create a dvd to put it on and that dvd went into a dvd sleeve and the dvd sleeve went into a nice big glossy brochure that we we designed and of course that glossy brochure was put into an envelope do we actually (laughs) send envelopes anymore and and the whole thing got sent out to about sixty thousand financial advisors and even even like nearly 20 years ago that cost about a hundred thousand quid um whereas today you know i could i could actually do all of that i could record it edit it and upload it to vimeo or something on my iphone and actually just send it out to a list on aweber or, or 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 some other email platform probably you know a little bit of production maybe would cost me a tenth of that a hundredth of that it's just amazing how things have changed yeah absolutely and i think it, it's um yeah the, the, i think the video and the internet go hand in hand in terms of kind of uh, partners in crime i suppose it mm. was but because if you think about um you know you know not that long ago we didn't have access to these massive audiences uh, these kind of global audiences and now that we do we have to find a way of um remotely communicating with people and you know for the first kind of 10 years of the of the of the web we only really could do that with text but but you know there's no character in text there's no personality in text really mm. uh, and, and it's a slow form of communication as well so it kind of makes sense but you know when video came along and, and suddenly the costs of it came down and those barriers to entry that you were just talking about you know which were really high and in, um, impenetrable to start with when they eventually evaporated suddenly we have this way of using the internet and of using and, and contacting all of those people out there in a way that's very personal and uh, very kind of emotive and you can kind of get across character and 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 you know it's the closest thing that we've got really to conversation uh, and obviously going to networking events and going out and meeting people is always a, a great thing to do but when you're talking about accessing audiences through the web then i believe personally video is the most effective and most efficient way of doing that i think it reinforces the fact doesn't it that actually people just like 
face-to-face interaction with other people. I mean, yeah. it, it, even the it, it might not be a live video, and of course it could be live, but just people just like face-to-face. And and I, just, I do sometimes get annoyed with all this blab about, you know, bots and chat bots and things like this. And, and you know, you phone up a, a company and you have to press one for this and press three for that and press four for this and then wait in line for 15 minutes. And all you actually want to do is talk to a real person and ideally see a real person. So I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying there, David. And you're running a company, it's called Blinkback, um, video production, creative content for marketing. And what I thought we'd talk about today is it, it, it's the it, it's the consistency really isn't it and uh there's there's an almost an unofficial series going on here on the Marketing and Finance podcast. A few weeks ago, I had a chap called Steve Folland on, and we talked about the the why why could why should companies be using video? And and he said a lot of what you've just said there. It's about that that personal interaction. It's the face-to-face. And a couple of weeks later, um, we had Ian Anderson Gray on, and and he almost built upon what Steve was saying and, and tried to give people the confidence to turn the camera on and point it at themselves and to start talking, even in a live environment. And, and I know that when you point a camera at somebody, all sorts of weird things happen. People get nervous, people get uh, flustered. But he gave us some great tips as to how to overcome that and to be confident. But I think what would be really useful to talk about today from your experience running your company is what are the sort of things that we should be saying on video? And then what is it that we can do to put the systems in place to create content regularly so that we're always out there and we're always engaging with our customers? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, yeah, so we run a, a company called Blinkback, which has produced video now for like the last five years or so. Mm. And we've kind of created a lot of different kind of types of content with that. And more recently, we've actually started, we're actually launching a new company this year called Remote Video Team, mm. um, which which focuses much more around that conversational content. And and we've got some really good systems in place. And, I, and I'd actually, I'd like to tell you about them because I think some of the people who are listening will be able to use some of those systems to create stuff a lot Uh, a lot more consistently but what you touched on a minute ago about what to say is also something i think is really important and we did a bit of research before christmas actually which i know you're a big fan of Mm. so we actually sent out a a a survey to um to a a lot of our sort of social media followers and email list asking what people really struggle with and um we had some interesting results and ones that i wasn't necessarily expecting so you know we asked questions like is it the cost or the time or or is it figuring out what to say mm. as, as your kind of biggest challenge and I was I was expecting it to be cost and time and actually it came back with you know figuring out what to say right. and, and suddenly it was kind of like when you do a lot of video yourself and you make a lot of video you just kind of you know because you're used to doing it you, you've kind of thought about those things and you don't necessarily think that it's thing something that other people struggle with but um, I suppose when it comes down to figuring out what to say you've got to think about your audience mm. and who you're speaking to but you've also got to think about where they are in in the process or in the relationship that you know about and we always talk about funnels in marketing yeah i think they're they're slightly um 
they're not very warm terms, are they, a funnel? Because it feels <laughs> like you're just shoving everyone into this funnel. But That's I suppose right. so you could look at it in terms of the, you know, the, the path, the relationship path, you know, mm. whether you've, it's a new relationship or one that's established. And you've got to think of the same thing when it comes to video. And if we're talking about social media video, which is using social media um, to promote the video and using it organically a lot of the time rather than a, a paid campaign, which mm. is a kind of a different kettle of fish then you've got to think about whether the people you're speaking to know you or whether they don't know you. And in order to do that, you've got to understand the algorithms and how social media work a little bit. So um, a lot of people think that social media is broadcasting to a new, a new audience. But actually, if you think about it, you're broadcasting to your followers. Yes. So they're people that you kind of already know. So in a sense, that's not top of funnel um, content that you're creating there. That's middle of funnel content. Mm. However... Most social media channels have these components built into them where they broadcast a portion of what you're doing to new audiences based on the engagement that the post gets. So, for example, if I post something on LinkedIn, my 2,000 followers are going to see that. And then when they interact with it, so if they click on it and like it, it's going to then show that video um, in their feeds to their audiences. And that's where the viral component of social media kind of comes from. So there is potential there within your content for it to reach new audiences as well as the audience that you're broadcasting to, um, you know, that's established. So that in mind, you're now thinking, well, okay, so I need content that is going to get people clicking on it and engaging it, engaging with it. But I also need to speak to the people who are familiar with me. So what a lot of people do with their social media content is that they um, they only create in one band. So they, they go for the vanity metric, they go for the entertaining stuff that everyone's going to click on and engage with, which is great, and it can get you a lot of views and it can get you a lot of reach. But it's not necessarily solving any kind of problems because you're focusing on, on entertainment. It's not really speaking to people who already know you who are maybe in the middle of your funnel. So that kind of content's good. But you should also then mix it up with content that's more middle of funnel, which is helping people, solving problems, um, talking to an audience that is maybe already established. Mm. And, uh, and, and, then, and then have a good balance of those different types of content in your mix. Yeah, I mean, I've, one of the things that I always try to help my clients with and and you, you know from um the conversations that we've had david one of my big mantras is keeping things simple and one of the things that i say to people is that always assume that your customer knows nothing now if you're a car mechanic or you make cupcakes for a living or you're a marketing consultant or you whatever it is that you do you will have a certain language in your industry a jargon, if you like. And you can't assume that people know what you're talking about. So I always say to people, just assume that they know nothing. So, you know, if you were doing, if you were a cupcake manufacturer and you wanted to do video, it would be fine to do a video that answered the question, what is a cupcake? You know, don't assume that everybody knows what a cupcake is, because even though most people do, maybe some people don't. But I understand what you're saying is that there are going to be a lot of people who understand what these things are. So you've got to strike that balance. But I've always found that if you start with that assumption that people know nothing, then you can create really engaging content because you're not overly complicating it. 
Absolutely. But I suppose that comes down to, again, having a mix of stuff mm. and, and to know that when you publish stuff on social media, that, that the views you get, which is usually often the only metric you've really got, yeah. <clears throat> views and engagement and comments, um, that, that often those aren't really the most useful thing to look at. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to just forget about that side of it. Um, I've had, I've put up very quick videos about how to use a mobile phone to film which to me seemed blindingly obvious but yeah. then obviously like you say you know lots of people don't you know lots of people engage with that there are a lot of comments a lot of views everyone was really happy with it i've done other i've done other videos which are maybe eight or ten minutes long which are quite in-depth looks into kind of back-end marketing and how to connect up systems to you know um, to marketing sort of video platforms and that kind of thing they maybe have had a tenth of the views and then I've had four messages after that video going, can we talk? Yeah. So, you know, th th it's worth thinking about that kind of middle funnel content that's maybe a bit more detail, a bit more in depth and having some of that in your in your marketing plan as well. Um, because often that's the stuff that's kind of actually connecting with people who are a bit further down that path. I think that's a really important point. And I mean, even looking at for my own experiences with the video that I produce for myself, um, I have a YouTube channel and I tend to do two types of video. The first one's called Rog Vlog. And that's just me going to conferences or visiting cities just messing about on trains and planes and that sort of thing. It's the sort of the entertainment behind the scenes thing. And I actually, some of those videos actually pick up quite respectable um, numbers of views. You know, there's one I did of the Caledonian Sleeper a couple of years ago, and, and, and actually the quality was rubbish. A lot of it was blurred and the lighting was appalling. I ne nearly didn't put it up, but that's had that's had over 20,000 views. Then the second sort set of videos that I do is what I call Marketing Made Simple, and that's me talking about keeping marketing simpler. And the views for that are a lot less impressive. You know, we're talking um, hundreds if at the most, but it's the marketing made simple videos that I get business out of. I don't get any business out of the, the Rog vlogs, apart from I've had a few speaking um, gigs that have come out of the conference vlogs that I've done, but it's the marketing made simple ones with the low levels of, um, of views that, I actually, that actually bring me business in. Yeah, absolutely. But, but then at the same time, you know, if, if you were to just do those types of videos, you don't then get that virality effect from the top end funnel content where people are sharing it. And then it's opening up to a new audience and you're able to grow your social media audience. So it's a sort of a balance between the two. And I think it's worth kind of just thinking about that. And of course, social media is an amazing place to test stuff. Mm. You know, if you, if you look at, you know, you know, asking questions, researching your audience, researching what they respond to and, 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 and get inspired by, um, you know, it's a great platform when you're using, because as you said at the beginning, social media video is not expensive. It's not difficult to do. So experiment with it. You know, if, you, if you're not using those platforms to test a little bit, if you kind of get locked into one message and one idea, you're missing that opportunity to see what people respond to in a wide range of ideas. So um, I think that's really important to remember. And do you find that the sort of content that companies are producing is mainly content that answers questions about that company's offer. So again, I, I keep coming back to the cupcake example because it's simple, but a cupcake company might make a video that 
answers questions about what the ingredients are and what the, how they make the colours and and how long it takes to put it in the oven and that's sort of, is it is it mainly people answering questions about their proposition is that what we're doing yes and no i think i think certainly in a b2b environment yes mm. because if you're offering offering services and you need to build that relationship and that trust there's so many people out there saying i can do this that that these days you have to prove that you can do it and you have to do that by showing up and and, and kind of giving up front in that case mm. uh, for b2c and sort of products and stuff I, th- I think the rules are different um you know that's much more about that kind of top end funnel of, of making things fun and entertaining yeah. so that you get the numbers because with any kind of consumer product you generally want large audiences rather than specific audiences so yeah the, the rules are different but i think certainly in, in the kind of in the sectors that we're in you know roger that you know that those kind of coaching and b2b sectors and service sectors absolutely you know solve some problems but you know if you can make it entertaining as well then great how do we get consistent at this david now, i'm thinking about me now on average, I try to put out a video a week, um, whether it's a Rog vlog or whether it's a marketing made simple video. But you know, sometimes other things come about. Uh, maybe I'm, I've, I've got a podcast deadline, or suddenly I get a, another client comes along and they've got a deadline. And video always seems to be one of those things. You know, it, it feels like a bit more of an effort. <laughs> maybe because of the podcast, I don't actually have a camera in my face, so I, I don't have to make sure that I'm wearing something that looks decent. You know, I could I could be sat here in my dressing gown for all you know, um, and I'm not, by the way. Um, but where, whereas video, you know, you always think you've just got to go that extra mile, don't you? You know. You've got to make sure you look good. Make sure the lighting's okay, and there's nobody. There's nothing going on in the background. There's no nobody. No, no jackhammer or or strimmer going on in the background. It just feels as if there's a little bit more effort required for video. So how how how, how do we get consistent? What are your tips for that? Um, yeah, I, I, there's, uh, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, no one ever built a successful business without pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone a little bit. Mm. So, um, you, you, essentially you've got to remove as many barriers as you can. And we've worked predominantly over the last five years in, um, in a sort of much more bespoke environment. So when we create video projects, they're very project based. We focus all of our energy for like a, a couple of months or a month on one project and then it's done and dusted. But when it comes to social media video, um, there are, it, it's simpler. So I mean, you actually, the output is, it doesn't have to be quite so high quality or so complicated so that that's helpful that's useful you can work with that mm-hmm. um but the, yeah we, we've got a few things I, I, i'll run through a few uh, tips kind of from start to finish i suppose from the system that we use um that for social media and that's uh f- first of all you've got to think about um batching your content which i think yeah. you know, you've spoken about in the past on your on your show if you can if you can get all of those ideas together and spend a day doing it or two days doing it um that's going to be first of all you'll get into the flow a little bit more so you're not going to be kind of you know when you first switch a camera on and stand in front of it it takes a little while to warm up and to kind of find your your Mm -hmm. pace with it so if you're just putting doing that half a day a week every week then you're always starting from cold on each of those half days and it's taking you a while to warm up um if you get into a if you can put aside a couple of days a month or a day a month for doing it then then that's going to be much easier Mm -hmm. secondly look at the process because it's actually quite a long there's a lot of different steps in the process Uh, so if you think about it you've got a a concept at the beginning you've got your ideas then you've got to write a script or some notes to work from then you've got to shoot it then you've got to edit it then there's subtitles thumbnails you've got to write the copy for the post then you've got to think about promoting it so without a system without building a little system to kind of get that 
working, mm. you're gonna you're gonna run up against problems. You're gonna you're gonna you know if you don't like doing the copy for the post, um, you know then make sure you outsource that bit. Make it simple for yourself. We use systems. Uh, we use uh, Asana. You could use something like Trello. Mm -hmm. Set up a bunch of columns uh, and then just drag and drop those projects from one column to the next. So once you've filmed them, you know set up a little box for each one of those and then just drag it into the editing column. So now you can see what needs to be edited. If you're outsourcing to an editor then you can actually set up notifications on those columns so that the, the editor can see that there's something to do um, and then they can move it into the next column where you maybe need to create some subtitles subtitles you most people have probably heard now of rev.com that's a very useful subtitling service that we use um, there's actually something you can set up with rev where you create a dropbox folder where you literally just drop the video into a dropbox folder and it sends it to rev automatically and they'll send it back to a different folder mm -hmm. so you don't even need to go onto the website anymore and upload anything you just drop it into a dropbox folder so that's quite good there's another service that rev has also uh, launched recently called temi.com t-m-i-t-e-m-i -E sorry dot uh, com that's um an ai version of rev so it does it by but rather than doing it by person it does it by uh, AI. So it's less accurate, but it actually costs a tenth of the amount. It's uh, 10 cents, or I think they just put it up slightly per uh, per minute. Yeah, I, I, actually used, I actually used Temi myself. And, um, and, and and to be perfectly honest, I was using Rev and that was fine. And I gave Temi a try. And I, and I must just be lucky in that my voice, even though I've got a Northern English accent, Temi just seems to understand what I say. And the accuracy I find from Temi is just as good as the, the human version from Rev. Although if I upload a video where maybe I'm interviewing somebody else, what I find is that Temi seems to understand what I say, but not what the other people say. So I tend to use Temi just for me. If there's anybody else involved, then I'll, I'll use Rev. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I suppose the way we looked at it was, um, you know, if, we, if we're doing subtitles for a client video, which we do for a lot of our social media videos, um, we want them to be um, exactly right. We don't want to have any mistakes in there. Mm -hmm. And we found that with Rev, it's about 95% accurate, but we still had to go through and check it. Yeah. So, you know, if we're going to go through and check it, we'll, we'll pay a tenth of the price and check it anyway. So, so that kind of works for us in that context. Um, the other thing that you can use your, um, if you're working with a, an editor, the other thing you can use your transcription services for, which is quite um, an effective way of doing things, is to transcribe a rough edit. So if you, you chuck a bunch of stuff down onto a timeline, or your, or your editor does, mm -hmm. transcribe it with Temi for, for, for really cheap, send it back to you, and then you can just go through it and score and do a, a paper edit. So mm -hmm. you can just score out you know, what, what you want to keep and what you want to lose, and then send it back to your editor. So that's a way of kind of um, doing an edit without having to constantly kind of communicate with the editor backwards and forwards about, you know, take that line out and I'll move that one, do this one, do that one. You can actually, they can send it back to you and without any editing experience or editing knowledge, you can do the edit based on a transcription, if that makes sense. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, th these are really good tips. These are really good tips. And I think that it, it, it is that discipline, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's with, with this podcast that I do, I, I do have the processes in place. I use, I use Trello. You mentioned Trello for my videos. I probably don't have as much of a documented process. And that's probably why if, if uh, something comes up, if a client wants something doing urgently, it's, it's usually the video that falls by the wayside first. 
I mean, if you can, uh, if you can, you know, bank quite a few so that you've got, I mean, you probably do this with your podcast. If you're going to go away for a few weeks holiday or whatever, you'll, you'll be, you'll have a few in the bank and you can yeah. kind of publish them in advance sort of thing. So I suppose it's the same process with, uh, with any kind of video content. You've also got to think about the the unexpected as well. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, usually I have about seven or eight podcasts in the bag ready to go. Uh, but one one time I, I learned a lesson is that I was feeling really smug with myself. I got about 10 interviews all ready, all edited. But the process that I had at the time was that I would record the introduction to the podcast at the beginning of the week that it was going out. And the reason being that if there was anything topical, I could I could pop that in as opposed to it might, I might have recorded the actual interview f- four or five weeks ago. Uh, but that particular week, I got a really bad cold and my voice went completely. I, you know, I, I just couldn't speak. My voice had gone. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can't put podcast out this week because I haven't done the introduction. Uh, you know, even almost even thought about getting my son to do the introduction for it. So you'll, there'll always be those unexpected little things. A couple of things that I uh, random thoughts that just came to my mind here was that um, quite a lot of B2B videos that you see these days, and, and again, I do this myself, although I do try to create a bit of variety, is what I would call the talking head video. So you've got mm. somebody sat in front of the camera. They may have a nice bookcase behind them with a load of marketing books or whatever it might be, and they just talk for between whatever it is, three and ten minutes. And that's all very well, but it can get a little bit dull and repetitive. And I guess that if if people are scrolling through a YouTube feed and all they see is the same face sat in front of the same bookcase, it's very likely they'll think that's all the same video and they're not going to click on it. Have you got any tips as to maybe you should mix it up a bit? You know, I, I sometimes go down to the harbour and do my marketing made simple videos at the harbour if the wind's not too high. It's variety, isn't it? How, how can you make the videos interesting, David? Yeah, again, I suppose it's a bit of a double-edged sword, this, because, you know, we were just talking about re- removing barriers yeah. and making it easier for yourself. So in a sense, you don't, you, you know, you don't want to, it's better to not think, oh, I must make this very complicated or kind of interesting and then not do it because you've put that, that barrier in place. Um, but you're absolutely right. If you can if you can be a little bit of creative with it, and, and this goes back to experimenting and testing as well, um, the more you do it, the more you're able to kind of say, actually, this time, let's get out of the house. Let's go and uh, walk up on a hill. Um, I've got a, a gimbal, which you can just mm. use uh, in sort of selfie mode, which means that you can walk and, and uh, talk at the same time. Try not to do it when you're going up a hill because then you're just completely out of breath uh, <laughs> yeah. because where, whereas you can normally walk up a hill when you suddenly try and walk up a hill talking and presenting a video at the same time you'll find it's actually a lot harder than you think but um but you know that get you know we you've got to make use of the the things that are on your doorstep you know we live on the edge of dartmoor and i've got a beautiful outdoor space up the back there and i've done quite a few videos with that as a backdrop which just catch the eye a little bit more and stand out it's harder at this time of year because it's raining a lot and it's cold um but uh but you know if you can change it up that's good but um but not at the sake of not doing the video i think that's probably the important thing yeah and one of the things i do find when i go out um, I mean, my camera equipment isn't isn't huge by any means, but I have a, a Lumix G85 and I've got a Rode mic, sausage-shaped mic that sits on top of it. And I've got one mm. of those jobby Gorillapod 
sort of um, tripod things to hold it. So it's, it's, it's noticeable. And there's loads of time. I mean, I'll go into Edinburgh and I think it'll be really good to do this, this video with the castle in the background. And then I'll note there's quite a lot of people around and I'll get self-conscious. And in the end, I'll just bottle it and I'll go and get a cup of coffee and end up not doing a video. Whereas, of course, if I'd been in my home office with the bookcase behind me, I would have nailed it within about 10 minutes. So yeah. I, I, have you got any tips if you are out and about you, you just how, how to overcome the, the fact that you, you think that people just look at you and think, what is that Pratt doing with that camera? No, <laughs> I, I just I don't think there's any way around that apart from either just getting over it um, or, or or just thinking a bit more carefully about your locations. You know, I, I tend to go to a slightly quieter place. It's it's quite it's quite difficult to present out in public. Uh, I suppose if you took someone with you, that's maybe a little bit easier because, you know, if as, as soon as you've got someone filming you, um, that feels a little bit more like you're kind of doing something proper. Whereas holding a camera up in front of yourself, uh, I don't know, you're kind of all alone there, aren't you? You're by yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, right. So, you know, it takes a certain kind of... I suppose, you know, the, the more you do these things, it's like anything, you know, like when the first time I taught a class full of um, students, I was shaking like a leaf and I couldn't, you know, I had to have all my notes written down and I had to look at them and I had to, you know, 10 years, fast forward 10 years down the line, I could walk into a room full of 30 or 40 people. Um, I could, I could riff most of the, 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 uh, the course, you know, from, from experience, I wasn't nervous. I could, you know, conduct the conversations much better. You know, the more you do these things, the easier they get. Absolutely, absolutely. David, it's been fantastic talking to you today. What would you say was the one big thing that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from all the experience you've had as a video production person and building Blink Back the company? This changes all the time for me, uh, which is why um, I, I quite like running my own business because um, nothing's ever the same, is it, from month to month. And the way you deal with things and the, the way you understand your audience and who and, and who they are and, and your experience in the business it constantly evolves. Uh, so if you'd asked me that six months ago, it would have been a different answer. I think at the minute, I would just say um, understanding who you're making the video for. Because, you know, if, if you make broad content for a lot of different people, it never really speaks to you know, anyone specific. And if you want to speak to someone specific, think about who that person is. If you can make content that creates, uh, that, that attracts lots of other people around the edges of that, fine. But the more specific you can, you can be with who you're speaking to and what their challenges are, uh, the more effective that is, I think. And that applies to all content. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the fundamental principles of marketing. I, I always say that marketing is a deep, almost obsessive understanding of your customer, but you've got to define who that customer is. You can't say my customer is everybody in the UK or millennials. You've got to be specific. And and if you are specific, if you do know who your customer is, then you can create the messages and the content tailored to them. So I absolutely agree with that. David, I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you, maybe um, work with Blinkback. So what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, you can visit our website, blinkback.co.uk. Um, like I said, we're just launching our new service, which is social media content creation um, on a monthly recurring basis so that we can help you stay right on top of that, that kind of torrent of media that you want to create. Um, that's called remotevideoteam.com. I'm going to put together a little downloadable pack for your listeners. So if you go to remotevideoteam.com forward slash Roger, 
um, then we'll put together a little bunch of uh, resources there, some social media video uploads, cheat sheets, um, a few videos that will help you kind of uh, create content and think about your processes as well. So um, hopefully that'll be useful for everyone who's listening. That's fantastic. That's really kind of you, David. Thanks for doing that. And I'll put the links to that in the show notes to the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. David, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today about video, one of my passions. And I'm no doubt that we'll bump into each other at another conference in the near future as you're walking around with your camera. Absolutely, I think so. Well, are you going to Atomicon this year? Or? I am indeed, yes. <laughs> yes well, well, there you go. We'll see you. I'll see you in the, in the spring. So, But yeah, thanks very much for having me on. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.